tell you, I think the devil doesn't want me to preach this sermon. I don't really know why exactly, but I am interested to see what happens. Because this morning has been something else. Um, if, and, and you know how it is on Sunday mornings anyway. If you have kids in the house, that's when thing, you know, World War III breaks out or four or five. Or, it wasn't World War III at our house this morning, but it was about oh, two and a quarter, I guess. And, and then after I got to church, I, I, I looked at my suit, and I couldn't tell if my pants matched my jacket. If you come in that door over there, you see that I just keep jackets down here because I, I can't manage to get them up to the house. And so I, I couldn't see if my pants matched my jacket. And I asked Jason. He couldn't tell. And that didn't help me out any. But then it didn't matter because I stepped up there. I, I went to shut the door or something. And my pants ripped. I, I, fixed, I put it on different ones. Don't, don't, be, don't be looking at that the whole time. My pants ripped. I mean, I don't know what's going on today, but something is, I don't know. Something is up. So anyhow, uh, I'm, I'm interested to see what the Lord has, has to say today. Uh, if you have a copy of God's Word, we're going to be in the New Testament book of Matthew again. Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. And, and we're going to continue our look at the Sermon on the Mount. And if, uh, if you've been here uh, the last several weeks, you know that we've been looking at a concentrated dose of Jesus' teaching, and we're just working our way bit by bit through the Sermon on the Mount. Now, he, he, in, in chapter 5, he's, he's moved in, he moved into correcting uh, misinterpretations and misunderstandings of the law. You've heard it said this, but I say this. Or, or he's elevated uh, the, the requirements of the law. You've heard it said, don't commit adultery, don't kill, things like that. But I say to you, uh, don't be angry with your brother, don't, uh, don't lust, things like that. So he's He's gone beyond just the outward acts, and he's moved into the motivations as well. Now, I want to make sure that you don't miss this, because in chapter 5 and chapter 6, they're very connected. Because he told his followers in chapter 5, If your righteousness does not exceed that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will not see the kingdom of God. So then in chapter 6, he's going to show us what that righteousness should actually look like. Now, in verse 1 of chapter 6, it's, it's really an introductory verse uh, for the next this this whole section, okay, um, he he says, don't be careful how you do your righteousness, and this is important because in the Jewish thought of the day, uh, righteousness or piety, if you will, was broken up into three categories. There was doing alms, that means helping out the poor and and uh, the less fortunate. There was prayer, and there was fasting. So he gives us teaching on those three sections uh, in chapter six. Now, all these things the devout Jews would do, and, and the Pharisees were at the, at the front of the pack. And so Jesus is going to show us what it should look like when the followers of Christ do it, not what the Pharisees do. And not just how it should look, but the motivations those righteous acts should spring from. So he starts, to ta- starts today in verse 1 of chapter 6, and he, he's going to talk about almsgiving. And again, that's helping out the poor. That's... Uh, that's helping out the less fortunate, the destitute, the needy. And what he says in a nutshell is when we give, we should do it secretly. Okay, so if you have your Bible open to Matthew 6, would you please stand in honor of God's Word, and we'll read the first four verses. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 1. Jesus says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. Otherwise, you have no reward with your Father who is in heaven. So when you give to the poor, do not sound a trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, so that they may be honored by men. 
Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. But when you give to the poor, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving will be in secret, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Thank you. Maybe see this. <coughs> now Jesus starts out this warn, uh, starts out this section with a warning. He says the word beware, and we all know what it means to beware. You've, if you've ever walked up to a different house that you've never been to before, and they have a, a sign that says "Beware of dog," what do you do? You pay attention, right? I and mean, you're on the alert. And that's the same idea that Jesus is using here. He says, take heed. You better pay attention to how you're doing your righteous deeds. Make sure, he says in verse 1, don't do your righteousness before men to be seen by them. Now, if you're awake this morning, that may have struck you just a little bit. Because you may have thought, but wait a minute, I remember what he said in chapter 5. And if you don't remember what he said in chapter 5, look over at, uh, at chapter 5 and verse 16. Go ahead and, and turn over there and look. He says, Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. So which is it, Jesus? Are we supposed to do our good works so people see our good works and glorify our Father who is in heaven? Or should we keep it all secret, like you say in verse 1, and not let anybody know what we're doing? How do we? Is Jesus being inconsistent here? Well, it's, it's not either or, it's both and. Notice again the wording that he, that he employs because he addresses both the motivation for doing good works, but also uh, the, the way in which they're done. In verse 1 of chapter 6, again he's saying, uh, do your good works, but don't do it to be seen by men. There's your motivation. Instead, chapter 5, verse 16, do it in such a way that they bring glory to the Father. In other words, when you're out doing good, when you're doing some Christian service, and you should be doing that if, if you're a follower of Christ, when you're doing those things, you need to check your attitude. You need to check your motivation. Why is it that you're doing what you're doing? Are you doing these things in such a way that people are going to look at that and say, oh, Jeff is such a great Jeff. He's such a great guy. Or are they going to say, Jeff's God is such a great God. Which way is it going to be? Because you can do things in, in such a way that you bring glory to yourself or to God. Because if you're doing things for the applause of people, you're doing it wrong. So what is Jesus saying here? Well, it's very simple. Whatever you do, don't do it to impress people. Whatever you do, whether it's giving, whether it's something else, don't do it to impress people. See, we should, be, we should have an audience, but that audience should be one person, and that's God. It shouldn't be, we shouldn't be doing it for an audience of people in the congregation. It shouldn't be a, an audience of people at work. It shouldn't be an audience of, of anybody else except for God. Now, are other people going to see? Maybe. But that's not the reason that we're doing it. Now, it's going to expand this idea out. And really, this, this whole section has one point, And I hope that it's, it's driven home by the end of the service. The first way that he, that he drives this home is he says, Don't draw attention to your giving. Don't draw attention to your giving. So he's going he's gonna to apply this, this, what he says in verse 1, to three areas, giving, praying, and fasting. And he starts out with giving. And he, he, he uses the word alms. And your Bible may translate it as such. That does not refer specifically to dropping money in the offering plate. Now it covers that. I mean, we, we can make a big show about how much money we're putting in the plate when it goes by, same as we can make a big show about giving money to the poor. But almsgiving has more of a focus of helping out 
uh, the less fortunate. What you might call uh, charity work. It's giving and helping people who are less fortunate. I think it's significant. Jesus does not command us to do this. He assumes that we're already going to be doing it. Isn't that something? He doesn't say, you need to do this, and when you do it, he doesn't say that. He says, when you're doing it, this is the way you do it. He assumes that if we're going to be consistent followers of Christ, if we're going to do what he says and, and live the type of life that's consistent with his, we're already going to be involved in that stuff. We're already going to be involved in helping out others. But notice he starts out with a negative in, in, in verse 2. He says, so when you, when you give to the poor, don't sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets so that they may be honored by men. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. So he starts out with a negative. He says, don't sound a trumpet when you give. This has tripped a lot of people up throughout the generations. If you read uh, you know, scholars and commentators and, and very learned men, people come down and they have all kinds of ideas what exactly Jesus is talking about. Because it seems like he has something definite in mind. Some practice that was going on at the time that he says, don't do that. And so some people have looked at that and said, well, what must have been happening was the Pharisees would go out in the streets, they'd go out on street corners, wherever it was, and they would take a trumpet with them or some kind of horn, and they would blow this trumpet supposedly to announce, we're here to give, poor people come, and you can be helped if you come to me. But really what they were doing was saying, hey, everybody, look at me and how generous I am. Other people have said, no, 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 that's not it. Because in the temple there were these receptacles where people would put their money and it would go down into this like a almost like a treasure box and that the money that was given to that would be used to help out poor people. And so they said, No, it's not that it's not taking the trumpet down to the street. It's it's giving money and put it in that, that horn shaped receptacle. And people would make some kind of a racket, you know. Kind of like when we give the, the birthday offering, you can stick a dollar in or you can drop a hundred pennies in. You're still giving the same amount, but you can make it real loud and long, right? And evidently somebody, they, they think somebody was, was putting money in and they make a big racket. So everybody be like, oh man, Jeff is so spiritual. Listen to how much money he's given. He's standing there at that horn for, for five minutes putting money in. He must be giving a lot. And maybe that person's only giving five bucks, Right? Other people say, and, and here's, here's something I actually heard a preacher just this past week talk about. He said, no, that's not it at all either. What they had was a parade, essentially. A parade, and they would have the horns, and all, this, all these good musicians come in, and they'd be marching through the streets, and the Pharisees would be in line, and everybody would be like, ooh, there's a parade going on. And, and there's no Duncan Booth involved. And, uh, and so anyway, they, they would hear this, and then they would assemble, and the poor people could be helped, but the, the goal of that was... It was not so much for the poor people. The goal really was for people to say, oh, how spiritual they are. The problem with all those ideas is there doesn't seem to be any historical evidence for any of it. I, at least I couldn't find it. There, there may be something somewhere, but I couldn't find any. Personally, I think Jesus is using a figure of speech. You've all heard of tooting your own horn, right? I think that's what he's saying. Don't toot your own horn. Now, some of you might remember old Gerald Fees, who was a member here for decades before he passed away and he used to have an old he used to have a saying he would say if you tooteth not your own horn it get tooteth not and there are people back there are people back then there are people today who feel that way if they don't toot their own horn nobody's going to toot it they need to brag a little bit about the good that they're doing 
they need to brag just a little bit uh, about the money that they're given, and and so that way people can give them a pat on the back. So how's that going to look today? Well, if you've uh, seen celebrities give money to charity, that's one way it can look. You know what I'm talking about, right? They'll hold a press conference to announce they're giving money to this charity that's so near and dear to their heart. And, and maybe it is, but they, they don't give a, a normal size check, do they? I would hate to carry around the checks that they give because they have the ones that are like publisher's clearinghouse size checks or, or uh, prices right size checks. I mean, they're huge. And they have money, the, the amount written great big so everybody can see, even if you're visually impaired, you can see that number on the TV screen. I did a, and listen, I don't have a problem with big donors as such. I don't fault them. I'm thankful for donors, big donors. And I did a search for a philanthropist this week, and it was incredible to start adding up how much money was given in any given year. For instance, in 2012, according to Forbes magazine, Warren Buffett gave a substantial amount of money to charities. And I want you to pick a number in your mind and think how much money he gave in one year to charities. It's too small. He gave, according to Forbes magazine, $3.084 billion with a B dollars in one year to charity. That's a lot of money. That's a whole lot of money. That's the kind of stuff that we hear about. We hear about large amounts that are given out of surplus, out of the overflow, but we don't hear about that person who skimps and saves, and they do without, they give to the same charity. They don't give $3 billion, but they give a, a much more substantial amount statistically or, or in relation to what they make than these rich people give. We don't hear anything about that. People like recognition that, that, they, that they've given. But whenever I see that stuff, I just wonder about their motives. Don't you? When they come out carrying the big checks, I just wonder, if nobody knew what they were going to give, I wonder if they give it all. I wonder if they'd have given the same amount. And maybe they would have. Now, I think I know most of you guys pretty well. You may be hiding from me the fact that you have $3 billion in the bank, that you can just disposable income. And if you do, I want to visit with you about tithing for a while. But, you know, we don't, we don't have enough to hold a press conference about. We sure don't give enough to hold a press conference about. But you know what? Christian people still toot their own horns. They may not they may not call a press conference, but they do it in a much more spiritual-sounding way that's much more subtle that doesn't sound like they're bragging. You ever heard somebody say something like, Oh, hey, why don't you come out to, why don't you come out to lunch with us today after church? Oh, well, I'd like to, but you know, we're trying to save up some money to send a, a missionary to Africa again. That sounds so subtle and so spiritual, doesn't it? Oh, wow. Now I feel so bad because I'm going to eat it at El Charo and I should be saving my money to be like them. Right? Or how about this? Yeah, you know, it, shoof, I'm glad you could buy that new car. Money sure is tied around my house. Because, you know, well, you know, we, we, just, don't, we, just, we don't just tithe. And we really feel like we should give 50% at least for income. Church. Wow. Hear that? Wow, I wish I could. And, and, and at the same time, you're thinking, wow, I wish I could do that. 
But at the same time, what, what are they doing? They're wanting a little pat on the back. Well, what about this? I'd really like to. I'd really like to do that. But you know, this week we're helping out the soup kitchen. Oh yeah, yeah, we've done it several times. You know, just it's like 70 times in a, a row. But you know, it just gets sweeter each time we do it. What are you doing? You're wanting a pat on the back. It's kind of like name drop. You ever been around somebody like that? Well, whenever I was doing this and they dropped some big name in whatever field it is, I talked to them about it and they said, do this. You're, you're, you're trying to boost, your, boost yourself up in, in somebody else's eyes. You're trying to get congratulated or at least have people think, wow, what a spiritual person. They're so holy. And what does Jesus say? Well, look again at what he says. Don't do it. If you find yourself doing that, stop. Don't do it. And then what does, he, what does he call the people that do it in verse 2? He calls them hypocrites. Now that's a word that he uses a lot of religious people. Because these, uh, the, the word hypocrite means an actor. This is somebody who makes a big show and they say, you know, look at me, I'm giving so much to this charity, I'm giving so much to help out these people. And what they're doing is they're, they're trying to get attention and they're trying to act like I care a lot for them. Or if they're Christian people, I care so much for the Lord that I'm doing this. But really, they're doing it for man's applause. Now, they may have some mixed motives. They may really care about those things. But they're doing it in such a way that they want people to give them a pat on the back. And number three, if you notice it at the end of verse three, he says, Truly I say to you, they have the reward in full. The wording here comes from commerce of the day. And it has the idea of a receipt. It's marked paid in full. In other words, these people are wanting to get paid two times. They're wanting to do these things and have man give them a pat on the back, give them some applause, but they also want heaven's applause too. They want to get paid twice. Jesus says, that's not the way it works. You'll get paid one time, either by man or by God, and it's foolish to trade the applause of man that fades very, very quickly for the applause of heaven. That rings throughout eternity. So he says, don't give to impress people. Don't draw attention to it. And then the last part of what he says in verses uh, 3 and 4 is give secretly. Keep your giving private. And he uses another word picture in verse 3. And he, he says, don't let your uh, left hand know what the right hand's doing. In other words, keep it private. Keep it secret. Now the rabbis had high ideals when it came to giving. They said the highest form of giving was to give and not know who was going to receive it. And conversely, for that person to get helped and not know who gave it. They said that was the highest form of giving. There was one rabbi I read about that as he would walk through the streets, he would drop money behind him. He wouldn't hand money, he would drop it behind him. And that way, in his mind at least, people would pick that up, they would get helped and he wouldn't know who did it. He wouldn't know who got helped. They had high ideals, but many times they failed to live up to those things, just like, just like we do. Now listen, helping out other people is part of letting our light shine. And, and if you're giving in the name of the Lord, listen, don't lie about it. If somebody says, man, did, did you help, you know, did you give money to your Christmas offering? It's okay to say, yeah, but you don't have to say, hey, I gave money to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering, did you? See, there's a difference. 
Because part of letting our light shine is to bring glory to God. But the goal is not to make a display about it and to do things for the approval of people. I like the way, the way one commentator I read, he balanced it out this way. The tension between chapters 5 and 6. He said this, If you're tempted to hide your light, put it under a bushel, so to speak, shine it. But if you're tempted to just blast it out and let everybody see it, you need to hide it. Now I thought that was, that was a great insight. If you're tempted to hide it, shine it. If you're tempted to shine it, hide it. As one old writer put it, works of charity and mercy should be done as much in private as is consistent with the advancement of the glory of God and the effectual relief of the poor. In other words, give, but don't make a show of it. You don't have to, you don't have to lie about it, but don't, don't make a, a, a display about it. But I think also in here, part of what he's saying in, in, in verse 3 about not letting... Uh, the one hand know what the other is doing, is we need to watch our attitudes about our own giving. Because it's easy to try and, you know, name drop, amount drop, and then get real satisfied with that. To say, Lord, thank you I'm not a sinner like everybody else that doesn't give like I do. Thank you that you've blessed me in such a way that I can help and do X, Y, Z for you and for others. Now, is it wrong to be thankful for those things? No, but it's wrong when you start getting satisfied and thinking, go me. It's all about me because it's not about me. And it's easy to get into some kind of self-congratulatory, pharisaical attitude that says, my giving's about me because it's not. Guess who gave you the ability to, to, to give in the first place? God did. It's not about you. It's about Him. So, so when you give, don't make a big deal about it, of it a big deal of it in your own mind. Forget it as much as you can. And now Jesus gave us two two ways of doing things, two responses. He says you can do one thing in in order for man to see it, and what's God's response? You get nothing. This way, he says you give, keep it private, don't make a fuss about it. And what is the Lord's response? He says in verse four. Your Father, which sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Sometimes it's in this life, sometimes it's in the life to come. Sometimes it's going to be both. But God will reward you. And, you know, it's easy to identify those big outward sins and to, to say, shame on you to people that do them. But pride, spiritual pride, it's a subtle sin and it's, it's, it's bad. It's dangerous. It's tempting to let others know about the good that we're doing. It's tempting to just let it slip, so to speak. It's subtle. And it, and it can show itself in the worst ways. It can show itself even in a supposed praise to God that you really bring glory to yourself. You're fishing for, for a pat on the back. Jesus says, don't do your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. Otherwise, you'll ha you have your reward in full. And that's, that's really all that he says in this passage. He applies it in different ways. But that's the thrust. Help out others, but don't make a fuss about it. Why don't you stand with me as musicians come. And as you stand, I ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes.
maybe today there, there are some things you need to work out. Maybe, maybe you just need to go to God and pray and, and ask His forgiveness because you have done that in the past. We've all done it. Maybe it's a habit for you, though. Maybe it's not with giving money. Maybe you don't have any money to give. But maybe it's some other Christian work. Spiritual pride. Maybe you don't struggle with the issue of spiritual pride, with giving, serving, because frankly you don't do either. Maybe you need to ask God to help help you have a more generous heart. To share, to be a blessing to somebody. This message has been targeted right at Christians, but you know what? God is the ultimate giver. The Bible says that He gave His one and only Son, Jesus Christ. If we'll confess our sins, if we'll repent of them, and put our faith in Him alone, we will have eternal life. And I want to give you an opportunity to do that. If you've never repented of your sins and, and asked God to save you, do that today.